Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas, and you're welcome to another episode of Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxinian family, Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Review. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Let's Rage Cougs. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you, young man? I'm doing good. We're off the heels of a dominant 74-46 to victory by the Houston Cougars men's basketball team. Really a game that, I don't know if you could call it a breakout party, but it was certainly the game for JVA Francis, who he had career highs both in points and rebounds. A 17.15 rebound double-double, just his second collegiate career double-double, just going almost exactly a month ago when he had his first collegiate career double-double, going back to Texas Southern. But this was an impressive showing from Francis. Marcus Sasser looked like he was able to get in groove from a shooting aspect, got up to 17 points to match JVA's 17 points as well. And just top to bottom, Houston looked much uh, crisper on defense against North Carolina A&T. So let's just start from initial takeaways. What were your initial takeaways from the Cougars' big victory over the Aggies? First, um, I think nine guys played in the first eight minutes and 10 total in the first half. So Coach touched on it after Saturday's game that they wanted to you know, improve the bench, give the bench guys more minutes. He did that tonight. The opponent had something to do with that. But regardless, it was good to see a lot of minutes from JVA Francis, 28 minutes. Emmanuel Sharp was, I think, second off the bench after Francis. He got almost 26 yep. minutes. So it was good to see them do well in the minutes. You know, Emmanuel did have some turnovers, but that's to be expected. So did Terrence mm-hmm. Arsenal as well, but that's also to be expected. But J.B. Francis with that uh, monster 17 points, 15 rebound effort, both career highs for him. And his first five buckets were dunks. And Andy, I, I promise you, that third, his third dunk, he caught the ball with his left hand and like he cupped it and then mm-hmm. landed and it went back up with two hand slam. That was impressive, man. That was yeah. very impressive. He had a lot of highlight dunks, and uh, bringing in our third co-host for today's episode of Let's Rage Cooks, Dayon Dunlap. Dayon, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about you guys? We are doing great. Chris, yeah, are you doing well, brother? Yeah, just doing well, man. Good to see you. Good to be seen. Yes, sir. So just initially, um, I just sent it over to Chris, but I'll toss it over to you, Dayon. What were your initial takeaways of Houston's big win over North Carolina A&T? As I was watching, I was just thinking it's another opportunity, like Chris has alluded to, getting to see with different lineups to get different experience with different lineups. And for me, I think it was a time Coach Sampson is still early in the season, still figuring out different roles. And as I was watching the game, I was kind of seeing, I think that um, Emmanuel brings something that can impact this team this year, which is offensively. He might give up. He might have a defensive um, liability to a to a stint, but offensive off the bench, he can bring offense. So that's something that kind of stuck out to me. And um, off air, I know we talked about JVA, and I kind of mentioned that I think he should be a starter, and, and um, or at least be playing more minutes. And, and so what I've seen from him, it kind of solidified for me. And that although it be at the competition, I still seen a lot from him that I think that Houston. Um, they both well because although like if you got have more guards who aren't as good defending the bounce, you got an eraser in the back end. So it's kind of like a um, 
I don't want to say a gift and a curse, but like you bring more offense coming off the bench. But if you got Javier out there, it's actually more defense. So it's kind of a, a tug and pull. And so overall, I think just more um, chance for Coach Sampson to play with different lineups and see um, which roles. His roles are still being developed early in the season. Absolutely. I know it was a focus. There's point so much versus... to unpack, man, from the post yeah. press conference. But go ahead, Andy. No, I was going to I'll stay on the topic of, of JVA Francis because no, you're absolutely right, uh, Chris. And it, uh, you know what? I was going to I was going to stick with Francis. I think the point I was going to say is uh, post practice I asked uh JVA because one of the things Kelvin had mentioned, you know what? I mean, let's just go right into the clip um where Kelvin Sampson talks about the 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 play that starter play he saw from JVA Francis and then it, it'll transition into me asking JVA Francis what with that confidence in him being that first big man, the first center that's going to be very important that I, I make that distinction um that he was off the bench for Houston. So we'll get right into it, but before we do, I do like to give a shout out to our sponsors starting with Hoop and Holler, the Houston Cougars Micro Collective they are the entity behind the Sac Avenue Star Pizza commercials. If you watched Let's Rage Cougs during the football season, you know exactly the one we're talking about with the Anthony Jones. And on that topic, our second, uh, our second non-primary sponsor for today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs, Star Pizza, Houston's best pizza since 1976 with multiple locations across the Houston area. Be sure to check out and have some Star Pizza when you're in need for some lunch. And I mean, just... Anytime for pizza. Pizza's not just lunch. It's anytime you're in the mood for some pizza. Be sure to check out Star Pizza. Once again, you are watching and or listening to Let's Rage Cook presented by the Saxonian family. Streaming live from inside the Fertitta Center as they gear up for upcoming graduation ceremonies that they're going to be having in the coming days as we enter the winding days of December and the end of the semester here at the University of Houston. But without further ado, I'll toss it over to Kelvin Sampson. Here's what he had to say post-practice following Houston's 74-46 victory over North Carolina A&T. This game tonight, um, I think for both teams, whoever you play after a game like that, um, the biggest concern is, is getting your initial level back up. It was kind of like after we played Arizona in the tournament, having to play going over, you know, Quick turnaround. It's hard to do. You know, where it affects you most is your legs, because because these kids play so hard. You know, um, but um, you know, I made a conscious effort. Though. Our first pick off the bench uh, was JVA, and our first card was uh, Manny. The young guys' biggest um, is just coming there, or coming down and not turning the ball over. Terrence and Emmanuel had seven turnovers, but they turned it over in practice too. You know, um, whereas as a team, I think we're averaging around nine. Our older guys, young guys, turn it over. That's, uh, uh, don't overreact to it. That's, they're going to do it again. So, but eventually they won't because they'll get experience. They'll figure it out. Jamal was a turnover machine his first uh uh, his first month of practice, his first game. I remember the best pass he threw all year was to Dexter Dennis on a break against Wichita State at home. You know, just uh, one of the five worst passes in the history of the game. I mean, great pass to Dexter, but, you know, Dexter was on the other team. But that's fresh, you know. Um, they don't, they, they're just not comfortable yet. It takes him a while. 
You know, JVA, even though we didn't redshirt him last year, he got to play in a lot of blowouts. You got four minutes here, two minutes there, five minutes here, um, three minutes there. That helped him. You know, and um, now there's such a misconception with the transfer portal, with uh, common fans, for instance. They think that, you know, who are we going to get in the transfer portal? We like the guys we have. You don't always have to go get somebody in the transfer portal. You know, I saw we saw the big guys that was available. Um, we like JBA. Some people may not have, but they didn't know him. You know, they're fans. They 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 don't know what they don't know. Um, but this this kid's gonna be good. Um, you know, he's just keeps getting better. In practice, um, his confidence is growing. And you can see his inexperience in certain things. He when he when he gets tired. You know, he's got a little bit of the baby, baby giraffe thing to him. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's on a team with, with kids that believe in him. He's got great teammates. He's a great teammate. So, you know, if you get double figure, you know, there's three levels you can sign the bubble. So, uh, JVA, how many rebounds you have, JVA? 15, ooh, seven offensive. Pretty good big man. Um, <laughs> Hmm. I didn't realize you had seven offense. Huh. Looking for playing time or something? <laughs> um, but he's out of the bubble tonight. Is that your first time? Mm -hmm. How many times? <laughs> like three or four. Since you won this year? Mm -hmm. oh, my, my bad. My bad, World Champion. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's just, he's just got to keep coming. You know, so you keep developing and you know, being able to rest these, a lot of these guys that these other guys play, man. They, they need to play. The more minutes, the better. We'll Andy. JVA, on that topic, uh, <coughs> my coach alluded to, you were you were the first forward off the bench um, that entered today's game. He's not a forward. He's a center. First center first off the big, bench. First big man. First big man. Got it. Um, off the bench. And... Um, you just talked about really the the. What does that say for you from a confidence standpoint? That coach has that trust in you to to be that first big man off the bench, and then also, once you're in the game and you start getting rebounds, is it kind of like are you locked in on just getting rebounds? What's your mindset in in that aspect? Uh, it tells me a lot. You know, that I know he has confidence in me. Uh, that he wants to see me grow. And that's why he leave me out there. Uh, you know. And I know my job out there is to get rebounds, <clears throat> defend, mm -hmm. pick and rolls. And so that's every time I go out the floor, every time I go on the floor, that's my main goal is just to rebound <clears throat> and stop the ball. And I just let everything else just come. So there you heard uh, J.B. Francis and Kelvin Sampson. That, again, that's the reason I made that distinction uh, when it comes to uh, J.B.A. Francis being a big man and a center. But... On that note, just initial takeaways you heard, specifically from that clip from Francis in regards to kind of his mindset. You know, he kind of, his focus is on being able to get rebounds and stopping other guys when he gets on the floor. Now he had the big bonus tonight of being able to have those 17 points. But he really, he kind of fits that culture player that has become uh, the identity for Houston's bigs. You know, when you think of Fabian White, when you think of Josh Carlton a season ago, players like that. Javier is more athletic than, than those guys. He's not as tall as Josh Carlson is, of course. Um, he's got very long arms. I think if Deion's correct, he can be 
uh, a shot blocker, an eraser. If the perimeter guys get beat, <laughs> and depending on who's on the court, that might be an issue. So he can be the eraser on that back line. He's got a bright future. So we can touch on it here as well. He and Emmanuel Sharp started the second half yeah. with Jarris, uh, Marcus, and Jamal. Coach Sample was asked about it post-game. It wasn't – he said it was no big deal to him. He didn't care who starts. You know, he doesn't care who starts first half, second half. But I find it interesting. He did say that JV comes back, continues to improve. He's going to start in the first half next year. <laughs> so Coach Sample said that's part of his long – uh, post-game discussion. So with the improvement expected and the development of JVA, he's going to start. He might, you know, Dejan, you might be right. At some point this season, he might start, you know, in the beginning of the game because yeah. it's, it's a better fit. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's part of it as well. It's a better fit. Rotations could be simplified. And, and you know, as Coach Sampson and the staff experimenting, starting here might be better for the, for the club going forward at some point. Yeah, uh, and I, I think so. And I kind of seen that um, last week, and then we talked about it off air. And I, and I think that's something to keep an eye on. I, I think he will and probably should be into the, in the star lineup, in my opinion, and everything that he brings. One thing we aren't mentioning is how good his hands is. He has really good hands, a la Josh Carlton. Josh had really good hands, can catch it with both left and turn and finish. I, I think he's probably ahead of Josh where Josh was his freshman year. So as he continues to grow, continues to develop even more offensively, but I think I think it's a better fit. I think he gives more floor spacing, more room for Jarris to be able to operate in the mid-post area. So I think all around it's a better fit. And what I'm seeing with Emmanuel as well, I think one thing that he can do and he's confident is scoring. And, and Terrence um, might end up being an overall better player but this is Terrence's first year, and Manny was with the program last year, and I think that really helped him. I think that being able to practice and just his confidence, it reminds me of Caleb Mills. When I watched Caleb Mills for Houston, it was never a game that I didn't watch in Caleb Mills that I think the game. He, he feels like he's one of the best players on the floor. He feels confident that he can score. And I see a lot of that in Emmanuel Sharp. And so I'm not surprised because – Houston, we talked about it last, last, um, after the last game, they need some point production coming off the bench. And I think he, a player that can provide that spark. I think you will miss out on some of the intangible things that Ramon may bring, and even rebounding like Terrence will bring and some of the other things that they'll bring. But I think he could be an instant spark offensively, kind of a la J.R. Smith, if you people want an NBA analogy, just a, a, a guard like that. And so, um, I think Coach Sampson is still figuring out different lineups, but I think JVA, Emmanuel, I think that's something that we can see moving forward. Them both playing time is being extended some. Well, on the topic of Arsenal and a lot of the younger players, uh, Chris, let's get into it because you asked the question and you joined the question. Uh, the question was, what do you think about how JVA Francis' defense has improved? And then we were there for 14 minutes later, and Kelvin Sampson, Sampson was still, I guess, technically answering your question. But he went on a tangent in particular when it comes to really the, the 
unrealistic, maybe not unrealistic, but uh, unfair expectations that freshmen get put on these days, in particular when you think of guys uh, like a Jarris Walker that's a five-star recruit. So, you know, just with having that five-star label, it's something heading into the season. There was a lot of buzz that, oh, this is going to be Houston's first five-star recruit since Daniel House in 2012. There's a lot of expectations with him. And, you know, Samson said at the end of the day, those rankings, those recruit numbers, whatever you want to call them for from various sites, is something that he's not just today. He's said it multiple times since really the beginning of this season when they first let media into the training camp way back when in September, at late September. He's been consistent about that message for him. Those rankings don't matter. At the end of the day, they're still freshmen, which means there's a giant learning curve that they're on and they're going to make mistakes and that's okay for them to make mistakes you know especially when it comes to parents they're quick to kind of try to maybe bail out isn't the right word but they try to kind of get their kids out of that situation where they're uncomfortable he said it's something that they have to learn and and grow from as time progresses and it's something that is particular with freshmen that are rated so highly they're kind of put in a position where you know they don't excel right out of the gates there's a lot of hey, what's wrong with this kid? What's wrong with him? He's not as, as good as we anticipated to be. At the end of the day, he's still a freshman, and the only reason people have those expectations on him is because they were rated uh, a five-star recruit on one of those sites that at the end of the day, in Samson's eyes at least, they don't matter. Coach, Coach Samson said a lot. You touched on a, a lot of the points there, Andy. One of the things that bothers him and has bothered him for a while is – the one-and-done part of it, where if the NBA drafts on potential, okay, they're, they're, they're not really concerned with what kids do in college. They, they look at the guys, well, how can we make this kid better for us two, three years from now, four years from now? And a kid at freshman year in college, you know, he struggles. He hears from his friends, his family, his relatives, his hangers-on. Hey, man, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with your game? How come coach took you out there? How come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do that? You need to transfer, man. Oh, well, don't worry about it. You, you can go pro anyway after, after the season. So that's where coach is coming from. A lot of it, Jairus, he's not comfortable yet. We've touched on a little bit. He's, he's, he is kind of passing up some shots. He's trying to make the extra pass. One thing coach has not said with him specifically, but coach has said in the past, Jairus sometimes tries to go for home run passes. Keep it simple. Get the single. Nothing wrong with a single. Simple passes still work. Sometimes he tries to be too fancy. Terrence R. Snow. Coach said it. I think he heard it. I don't know if other people have told him about it or he's heard it himself directly. The Oregon game, when Terrence made those four threes, Coach said, you know why he got those four threes? Because he's open because Oregon played zone. When yeah. teams play man-to-man against Terrence, Terrence struggles because Terrence like is not tonight. good enough right now against man-to-man defenders. But give Terrence more games, more experience. Terrence is going to be a great player. Coach Sampson said that. With more time, Terrence will be a great player. In time, these kids will be great players. But right now, they're not because they're freshmen. That was the message Coach Sampson was hammering home over and over and over in his 14 minutes discussion answer to my question and a lot of others as well. And I'm not surprised. I'm, not, I'm sorry to cut you off. And I'm not really no, surprised good. with that because um, – in the age of social media, I wonder if Coach Sampson, for him to be as coaching as long as he is, and even coaching before social media, I'm interested to hear from his perspective. What's the difference for him 
dealing with young men who is obviously have changed. Things change, times have changed. So what it's like for him, um, I know he I know he says a lot that we only opinion that matters is within this room, but it's still an experience adjustment for him to how he coaches and teaches and reaches different players with different expectations. I'm interested to hear him say that, but I think overall there's a lot of true and a lot of great points because a lot of players don't really I'm not gonna I don't really want to say that, but I think it, it is true to that. A lot of outside noise doesn't really make them focus where their feet are and focus on what they're doing right now to really, really fully hone in and develop. But I think Coach Samson has that voice and that um, experience to to get the best out of players who may have some of those different uh, factors. Because one thing Coach mentioned, and you can add to this, is Coach said, can you imagine if Jarris is here with the Cougs for three years? Yeah. Okay. He didn't say – he didn't say it's going to happen, but he said, can you imagine Jarris getting 30 games this year and 30 games next year in his junior year? Could you imagine how much better he'd be with three years in his program? That's the issue that he's, he's acknowledged that he and the staff are dealing with, not necessarily Jarris, but, you know, other programs, top-notch programs are dealing with five-star ranking, rating kids, you know, and if they have two bad games up, Something's wrong with the coach. Something's wrong with the player. You know, it's a different era. And Andy, Dayon, and the folks tuning in, watching this, I don't think it's going to change. But what would would fans be okay with the staff not getting one-and-done type talent, but talented players that would stay at Houston multiple years in the Big 12? If I can add something else real quick, Um, I think that's a great question. And I think so, because of before this year, Houston hasn't really had that problem. And, you know, another coach that I was watching their game who I think has learned and and realized he doesn't have to have 11 or 12 highly rated players with a ton of talent is Penny Hardaway at Memphis. You look at the the, the team that he assembled this year, his different approach, he still is recruiting – high-level kids, but he has sprinkled in with some transfers, sprinkled in some players of experience. And I think I think that's something that he probably learned um, from his experience in coaching. And I think Coach Sampson's kind of already on the curve, but the program gets bigger. I think um, they're going to, to have to maybe turn down some of those one-and-done kids or not recruit them. But like, Chris, you made a really great question a couple of weeks ago. Would Coach Sampson potentially have where he has more than one-and-done? And, uh, and um, I, I think we have all agreed that probably not. I think it would have to be with necessity of the team, actually team needs. And so that's, a, that's something to keep an eye on. And that's one of the good things that Calvin Sampson always does, and particularly his coaching staff. They, they don't recruit based on rankings or this of that nature when it comes to all those sites. They recruit on fit. And it doesn't matter if they're a five-star. It doesn't matter if they have, you know, McDonald's, All-American accolades, whatever you want to throw in there from a, a, a rookie freshman coming out of high school. If they don't fit with the culture, and one of the things that you hear in that clip or one of the things he touched on in his post-game presser when he was talking about J.B. Francis' character, that is one of the important things that Houston, Calvin Sanders specifically looks for when he's recruiting a player in particular. Do they have high character? You know, when it comes to J.B. Francis in particular, he said you know, he's one of those kids that he's a yes or no sir kid whenever they get on him. You know, he'll take it and he'll keep growing. He'll keep 
learning from those experience. That's something that is really high, and Kelvin Sampson is is really looks for when he's recruiting players and athletes. So absolutely, and and one of the things he touched on is specifically when it comes to that rule where players coming out of high school they're not they can't go straight out of high school to the NBA. And Sampson said he prefers that. Which the reason for that is because he said if they're at that level with straight into they should be able to do that because Chris like you mentioned the NBA they're big on they don't care about where you are right now they're big about they care about where you're going to be five years from now and they have that confidence that they can develop a player and if you're coming out of high school and you're in a position to be able to make that jump straight Samson felt they should be able to do that because right now with the current at the very least you need to have that one year of college experience or one year removed from high school he said in particular when it comes to the college side of things it kind of makes a mockery from the academic standpoint because he says at the end of the day if you're only in college for one year you're not really even at the university for a full year you're only there for nine months and he said the first thing that all the athletes all the players do the moment the ncaa tournament ends for them is withdraw from from all the classes and start preparing for the nba combine and the nba draft which it was interesting it it was a very good post game availability practice and samson went on and and really gave good insight on his perspective he got a lot off his chest. Okay, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if, if today he heard from some folks like too many people who were just bringing it up, and he just wanted to get it out there, and just put it out. Mentioned in the press conference, but he, he got it off his chest. He, you know, he's he's okay with with high school kids going straight out of high school to the pros. Uh, I think he he didn't say it, but I think he'd be good with the. Major League Baseball rule: Once you get to college, you stay for three years, rather than go, you know, go pro. So it's it's a different deal. He got it off his chest. He may say it again going forward, but you know, JV Francis has a lot of potential. We saw some glimpses of it tonight. We'll see what he does Saturday against Virginia because he's got to be consistent, game in, game out. Talent is there. We see potential there. Now let's see what he does against better team, better competition on the road. Because against Oregon, he had zero rebounds. Okay, it wasn't a lot of minutes, but it was still zero rebounds, like seven minutes, seven, eight minutes. So that's going to be something, consistency. 15 boards tonight and 27 minutes of change. Potential is there. He's got to bring it out of game in, game out consistently. And if he does, come into the season, not many folks are expecting him to be a factor offensively and defensively for this this year's squad that's an added piece to the team it's kind of weird i mean i agree with you but i kind of i thought he would i envisioned i didn't envision j1 and jared starting together and so that was surprising to me andy would always talk about it and i would always think there would be lineups where they would be both finish the game together so as the kind of season is um playing out i'm kind of seeing what i thought initially kind of playing coming into um fruition I think J1 eventually probably will be back in it, coming off the bench more in his bench role, bringing instant energy and bringing everything that he brought in previous years. And I think J1, I, w- I thought Reggie or or JVA as Coach Fran, I mean Coach Sampson calls him, um, mm-hmm. will start at the center spot. And I didn't think J1 would start. And so I, I envisioned him playing more minutes early on versus him kind of earning and 
playing into his role. And so to kind of see it now, now I, I didn't know what he had though. So to Chris's point, I didn't know what we had with him because I haven't seen him. Because like Coach Simpson said, fans don't know what they don't know. We don't see them every day. Right. And so I, I was kind of I thought that by the, how the team and lineup shaked out that he would by necessity get playing time and have be a factor. But then has his I was like, well maybe he won't. But now I'm thinking. Um, as Coach Samson still figuring it out. That's one thing that makes him such a great coach. He doesn't just stick with things. He'll move players around and get players to buy in. He'll switch things up. And um, I, I think this team still has all the makings, but I think he's one of the key pieces because he brings us length, athleticism, um, that really we just don't have it anywhere else. Right. Real quickly on that note, we do have to give a shout-out to our sponsors. I do like to remind everyone that is either watching live on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel, or maybe you're listening to the audio-only version wherever you get pods, slam, and jamma, that this is Let's Reach Cougs presented by the Saxinian family. The Saxinian family is a primary sponsor for Let's Reach Cougs basketball postgame shows for the remainder of the regular season and heading into the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament. Big thank yous to the Saxinian family for being able to help us continue to do what we do with Let's Rage Cougs, which is the unofficial Houston postgame show for men's basketball and football. And also a big shout out to Hoop and Holler, the Houston Cougars micro collective. Once again, they are the entity behind those Star Pizza Sack Ave commercials that, like I mentioned, if you haven't checked them out yet, you should because they are pretty comedic. They're pretty must watch. See, and at the end of the day, it helped out the local university. Uh, of Houston football players, particularly DeAnthony Jones and a lot of the other athletes that were able to participate in that and don't get some money in their pocket when it comes to the name, image, and likeness. Of course, those Star Pizza commercials were from Star Pizza with various locations across the Houston area. If you're in the need for a lunch rush or maybe you just want to stop by and have a good pizza, make sure you check out one of these Star Pizza locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza, Houston's best pizza since 19. 19- 76 on that note down it is something you had mentioned uh, and something you had been adamant about throughout you know heading into the season in terms of Jawan roberts and jarris walker but by the way it's chris correct me is, is it javier or javier i am all turned around it's, because i it's, heard it's javier javier like yeah, javier but right jay javier but so we're Calvin not going to correct Coach Sampson. It's Javier. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we um, that, that that's got my head turned in regards of how you say his name and also Jawan Roberts. But one of the other players that we haven't touched on or haven't talked on a lot is Marcus Sasser, who he, I mean, from his standards, you can call it a quiet first half. He had seven points, and then he was able to really turn up the heat and, and had 10 points in a stretch of about nine minutes in that second half. He looked much more comfortable, by the way. He didn't wear his goggles. That fashion statement that he had, obviously, he was wearing them to protect his left eye after the five stitches he had to get following the, the cut that he suffered a week ago today uh, against North Florida, but he looked much more comfortable in the second half, and that's something that even before he had he had suffered that injury to his eye uh, had been really the case um, in terms of his shooting is something that people had been saying, oh, what's, what's wrong with Mac- Marcus after shooting? Well, Kelvin Sampson, after the, not after the game, on Monday, Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Monday during the Zoom, he said that Marcus Sasser has gotten a lot of the attention from opposing defense. He started to get some of the Quentin Grimes treatment is what Kelvin said, and maybe something that has been even more than the Quentin Grimes treatment in terms of what opposing defenses and how they're focusing in on Sasser. So it's good to see him 
kind of get a, a good shooting night tonight after their big win against North Carolina A&T. It's also, it's also good to see him get four rebounds <laughs> because last two games, I think he had a total of one or two. So, but yeah, no question the goggles affected him because he fogged up against Bama. He wasn't used to him, all those things, but he would not use it as an excuse, but it's, it's natural. I mean, it's, not, it's something he had not worn for a long period of time. So sure it impacted him, his shooting on Saturday, but he was struggling bits and pieces before that. He was, he was hot against North Florida, then he got hit in the eye. So that could have helped him. No injury. Might have been a different game on Saturday, but he got injured. So it was a factor Saturday. No shame, no takeaway against Alabama. They won the game, okay? But Marcus acknowledged it tonight after, you know, in the postgame that he has been struggling with his shot a, a little bit. But tonight, he's efficient. Six for ten, two for five from three. So he took five threes and five twos. That's a good balance. Like to see a little bit more twos, a little more finishing at the basket for him. But he did well. He's more comfortable probably, obviously, without the goggles. We'll see what he does. But the great point about the Quentin Grimes treatment, Dan touches on it. <clears throat> One reason teams can give that Quentin Grimes treatment to Marcus Sasser is because you, may, you don't have another guy to get buckets if Jamal Marcus is struggling or Jamal Marcus is out of a game or Jamal Shaded doesn't have it going. Because the front court guys, that's not there in the makeup to go one-on-one and get bucks themselves. They need somebody else. So maybe at some point this season, Emmanuel Sharp could develop into that other option to be a, a bucket getter. Another option for the Cougs going forward as the season progresses. Yeah, for Marcus, uh, it just looks like he's been struggling to find that good rhythm and really just shots aren't falling. I, I like this a lot of the shots that he takes. I mean, even he misses. He, they're good misses because we've seen him make those shots. But, I mean, like I've said before, uh, it's good to see him being more well-rounded. He's not just a three-point shooter anymore. Now he's a more of a well-rounded guard like Chris just mentioned. He has the ability – He's shown and proven that he can go inside and be, can beat you from two-point range if the three-point range isn't falling. And so I think another thing, another step to that that he could do better of, and I would probably challenge him to do more of, is get to the free throw line a little bit more. I think he that's probably something he can get maybe two or three more extra free throws per game. I'm not sure how many he's taking per game, but I think um, – with his ability, people are going to look to give him that Quentin Grimes treatment and run him off the three-point line and his ball handling, his ability to get inside. I think maybe he can draw a, a little bit more fouls and get to the free throw line and get a couple more buggers just to see the ball go through the net. And then eventually, you know, that shot will keep falling and keep falling. But I think as the season goes on, he, he's going to find his rhythm. He's going to really find out how teams are guarding him and, and – I still got full trust in, in Marcus Sasser, but he, he had a, a solid game tonight. But I think the the story tonight, I don't know if you want, he can go to it now, but it's Tremont Mark, uh, he, he struggled. I saw in the comments someone mentioned um, Tremont Mark was kind of struggling um, tonight. But I think the, the those other guards on the game-to-game nicest, game-to-game nights, Jamal can give it to you. Um, Tremont can give it to you, but who's going to be that other consistent? Or if Marcus isn't have it going, who's going to be someone that that can help you? I mean, because it's going to be time. Well, Mark is going to be the first person on the scouting report, no matter who Houston plays, I'm sure. I'm sure Jairus is on there as well. But I think Marcus is probably first and, and rightfully so. And so I think the, the other guards, Tremont, I'm still waiting on him to be fully unlocked. But 
he's still such a young player. He's still gaining more experience as well. Absolutely, and that's been something that Kelvin Sampson has, has reiterated throughout. When you look at the makeup of the roster, especially at that guard position, or when, when you get Marcus Hassan, Jamal Shit, obviously they're one and two. And then when you get under there, come on, Mark, he had his freshman season. And then last season, we, we know the story of last season. He had been dealing with the shoulder injury. He got shut him down. Kelvin said he doesn't really count that as a sophomore year for him. So for many instances, this is just his third semester playing basketball, something that Kelvin has said in the past. So I think it's something that, that again, he had one point today, 0 for 5, shooting from the field. Just what you see from a lot of the younger players when it comes to that inconsistency standpoint. And that's kind of the story of the team so far early on. Can you look top to bottom, Emmanuel Sharp, Terrence Arsenal, particularly in the guards, even Ramon Walker. I know he played a, a key role for the Cougars a season ago, but he's still just a sophomore and he's still kind of in that transitional phase for Houston where they're that's that's gonna be the biggest challenge, and I think Chris and Dan, I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts. That's gonna be that's gonna determine how far this team can go. It depends on, like you said, Dan, who can maybe develop is not the right word, but who can get to that point where they're at a consistent level, night in and night out. Where okay, we know Marcus Sess is gonna do this. We know Jamal Shedd can provide this. Who will be that other guy, Dan? Like you said, that's gonna help Sasser out and keep that pressure off him from opposing defenses. I think Sharp got a lot of minutes tonight based on what he's done in practice the last day or two. And Tremont just didn't have it early on. And it was kind of maybe to do with the opponent a little bit to A&T, other than Cam Woods, who got plenty of buckets tonight for the Aggies. Yeah. But Emmanuel Sharp, he got some rebounds too. So that helped him stay on the floor as well. You know, So his scoring threat helps. But as long as he is not a minus defender, and part of that is rebounding. So if he can crash the boards because Javier cannot get all the boards, somebody from the backcourt of the wing position got to get the rebounds too. So Emmanuel got some tonight. Marcus got some tonight. So they got hit by the bigs as well on the boards because if you do that, then it, it helps everybody maintain a rhythm. You can get Emmanuel get the ball off the, off the defensive glass. He can push it up or pit past Jamal or Marcus and maybe get in transition quicker instead of relying on a big to get the rebound all the time. This team is very young, you know, we, well, and inexperienced because other than Marcus and Andy, Coach Hampton gave us a, a quiz. How many years has Marcus been here? Is his fourth year? He's this senior. Year, you know, but Juan Roberts hasn't played a lot, has not started a lot here. And other than that, Jamal Shedd started last year because of injuries. Jamal Mark injured last year. Mano Sharp was here last year, didn't play. Jairus, Terrence, freshman. This is a very inexperienced team, and I think we've forgotten that at points this season. Yeah. And yet they're still 10-1 with a lot of room to improve as the season progresses. Yeah, still inexperienced. And I, I think um, Emmanuel can bring a, another option of scoring when – whether Marcus, Jamal, or Jamal, or whoever doesn't have it going. And just watching um, the games all this year, and that's the difference between him and Terrence, as I think right now Emmanuel is just a more confident scorer. I mean, I'm not going to say he's a better, but I think his confidence in scoring is probably a little higher than what Terrence is. It's just an observation. And I think Coach Sampson realizes – he probably won't admit it that this team isn't going to be a great rebounding team like years past. 
And so maybe I need to input more offensive because the name of the game, I mean, like Coach Sampson, is outscoring the team. They don't count stops. And so I think I'm, I'm, I'm sure we probably can ask him about this. And I don't, or, or I don't know if he will admit it, but I think uh, this team needs more offensive options to put the ball in the hole because, uh, I mean, the identity and the culture is still there. And although you might not be a great rebounding team, you still can collectively rebound it and don't get killed on the boards. But I think he may be willing to cement, to, um, to pass some of that just to get more offense because Terrence, he's been inconsistent offensively. He's gotten a lot of good looks, but you give Emmanuel some of those looks that Terrence got, I think he makes some of those some of those shots. And so I, I definitely think that he, he can be – he can impact this year's team offensively, probably come more coming off the bench. And, and to Ramon, I think he settles for a lot of threes. As big as he is and has, as good as he is finishing, I would like to see him drive the basketball more and not settle for so many threes because I think he can do more with that. He's shown to be a good free throw shooter. And the body that he has, maybe he can try to create more contact because he brings everything else outside of that scoring aspect. And so I think it's just a balance. Coach Sampson is still figuring out um, with that, that, that first guard coming off the bench. Who, what do I need on any given night? And what do this, what does this team need consistently from the first guard coming off the bench? And I think that that's an interesting point. Cause going back to the Alabama game, there was a three pointer that Ramon Walker took I believe he was in the wing, and Kelvin Sampson was not happy with that shot the moment he took it. And I agree, Dan. It's something – and it's not necessarily just threes. I think he's just settled for much more jumpers offensively. And, I mean, tonight it could have potentially been a, a statement that Sampson was trying to be making because Ramon Walker was the last guard that, that came into the game for Houston. And I think it took – towards the latter portions of the first half before he gets to see any playing time. So that, that'll be interesting to see down the stretch. Chris, I'm going to go over to you in a second. But first, our final segment break. As we enter the final segment, we'll look ahead at Houston's next opponent. Opponent, Once again, I do like to remind you guys that you are watching Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxinian family. However you may be listening, wherever you may be listening, this is Let's Rage Cougs, the unofficial Houston postgame show of Houston men's basketball and football streaming from inside the Fertitta Center. And also a big thank you to our other sponsors, including Hoop and Honor, the Houston Cougars, Micro Collective, the entity behind those star pizza commercials with DeAnthony Jones and Zach Av. And they are promoting Star Pizza, which also happens to be a sponsor for this episode of Let's Rage Cougs. Star Pizza with multiple locations across the Houston area. Be sure to check them out because they are Houston's best pizza since 1976. And who you can never say no to a good slice of pizza. Good. Well, in my case, Chris, I don't know. Chris, Dan, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I eat pizza, I eat more than one slice. Probably uh, too many slices from my aspect. At least four at a, at a time for me. At least four at a city. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, even then, I think that might be the talent. Um but real quickly, this is not Houston Cougars news, but it is prevalent. Former Houston Astro Carlos Correa just signed a 13-year deal with the San Francisco Giants for $350 million, which I mean, good for him. He, uh, he got that bag. But, yeah, that's crazy. 13 years, 350 13 million. years. Those contracts never seem to work out. And, but we'll see. I mean, good for him. He, locked, he secured oh, no, no. the bag. Yeah, I, I never begrudge a player for getting getting the bag, but from a team perspective, thirteen years. 
you know what can happen 13 years? A lot can happen in 13 years, yeah. man. I wonder how much of that is guaranteed, man. Golly, 13 years. But baseball is doing that. They got eight, nine, 10, 11, 13 year deals. The NBA went away from that. <laughs> the NBA used to yeah. do that years ago. And now their max is like five because owners are like, we can't keep locking in these long term contracts, you know, to play because guys get hurt. And then it's an anchor on the, the cap. Baseball's a different thing. Maybe at some point they'll find that out too. But realize it. Ooh, 13 years, man. Okay. Carlos. 2035. Chris, wow. till 2035. I will be 35 years old when his contract expires. That is crazy. That is a crazy thought. It is a scary thought. But on that I'll be note, 63 I, still on this earth. 13 years from now. And if we're still doing that straight because I remember that 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 yeah. um, those news broke. But Obviously, looking ahead for the Houston Cougars, they're going to have another tough challenge after the, the big challenge that they had just a couple days ago against Alabama. They're going to face another top five opponent in the number two, they're number two in both the coaches poll and the Associated Press poll. The Virginia Cavaliers this time, they'll have to do it in hostile territory. Uh, Cavaliers, they have some experience against other top 25 opponents, particularly they beat Baylor when they were ranked five. They beat number 19 Illinois in November. So it's going to be a good, another good test for Houston, and especially when we just talked about how really inexperienced the roster is top to bottom outside of guys like Marcus Sasser and Jamal Shedd, especially in their roles. I mean, Reggie Chaney, obviously, of course, as he started in that Final Four team in 2021. So... It's going to be another good opportunity for a lot of these players to be able to be in that environment and maybe see how they've learned, even though it's going to be different because they'll be in hostile territory, how they learned from this past weekend against Alabama and see what how they do in that atmosphere. I'm looking forward to it. Virginia's balanced offense. I think they got four guys in double-figure scoring. A fifth one's at nine points a game. They're shooting like 40% from three as a team. They don't play really fast pace, but neither Cougs or Virginia turn the ball over a lot. I think they're both averaging like nine turnovers a game. So it should not be a lot of turnovers in Saturday's matchup. I'm kind of curious to see uh, how Jaden Gardner does. Jaden Gardner, you know, kinfolk family, I think we're related at some point. I met him at the American Media Days a couple years ago. He, I, he's been around forever <laughs> in college, yeah. man. Going back but, to his days to East Carolina. But he knows his range. He is, has not taken a three-pointer this year for Virginia. Mid-range game, some low-post options. That's that's his game. But Key A. Clark, solid point guard play. So it's going to be a fun game. Now, I'm kind of curious to see how the young Cougs handle the atmosphere on the road in Virginia against a very, very, very good team. Experienced team. Experienced team and a team that has depth. Like Chris just mentioned, or like, they're starting five averages nine points or better. And, and that experience, like Gardner, he's a double-double machine. He was a walking double-double at ECU. And I think he's even going to be even better. And he's been better in his second year with Virginia now. And so, man, it um, it's going to be a game of runs as basketball is a game of runs. But I think for Houston, I don't think they want to fall behind early and let the crowd really, really be into it the entire game. I think Houston wants to throw the punch like Houston typically does and then enforce and to kind of react. But it's going to be hard doing that on the road. And so 
Um, I, I'm expecting Marcus to have a bounce back game versus how he played against Alabama. I'm sure that he wants to have a better game on the road. He's typically really good on the road. And so um, I, I, I'm excited. Um, I, I think Mr. Francis is going to play a huge role. Um, mm-hmm. I think he, I think his, he's going to play more than, I'm going to go out and say he's going to play more than 15 minutes against Virginia. He's going to play a, more than 15 minutes, more than 20 minutes against Virginia, and he's going to have a huge impact on this game. But Well, first things first, Dan, we agree he's going to play more than two like he did Saturday against Alabama. <laughs> You're right, right. That's why, yeah, he's going to have more than 15 minutes for sure. He's going to play more than that. But what game will all three of Houston starting guards get off? When will we see a game against a really good opponent where Jamal gets off, Jamal gets off, and Marcus gets off? And what I mean by that, um, it can, for Jamal, it can be five points, ten assists, no turnovers or whatever. For Marcus, that can look totally different. It doesn't always have to be scoring, but when will we have a game where all three of them have really good games? And so I, I'm waiting on that. I'm hoping that it's on the road in a hostile environment. And on that note, like you said, uh, when it when it comes to a young roster, the key now is consistency. Dayon, you mentioned if they they get behind early, that especially on paper probably wouldn't bode well on such a young team because then, in theory, they begin to press, and that's when you know things mistakes start to happen, trying to make up for that early deficit. But like we said, it's going to be a good test. And Chris, we know Dayon, Chris, you know that Kelvin's going to say this at the end of the day, regardless of whether they win or lose. Not going to be overreaction. They're going to have a game again the following week as they get closer. They wind down their non-conference schedule. But I think it'll be a good opportunity to see how they stand. And, and maybe again, like I said, if they've grown just from a week ago when they play Alabama, when they played Alabama. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to see Virginia by the game time on Saturday. Their last game was on the 6th. So will they have 11, some rust? 11 days. You yeah. know, would it be rest versus rust kind of thing? Won't impact the whole game, but it, will it allow the Cougs to get off to a, a good start early if the Cavaliers have some rust because it was a long layoff? So we expect Mr. Francis to get more than minutes and got against Alabama. How will Jarrett Walker play? Uh, Jamal and Mark will, will he have a bounce back game? Marcus Sass with, with no goggles, will he shoot better and have an off run game? with passing, scoring, and rebounding. So I'm kind of curious how the, the young Cougs do against the veteran Cavaliers, and, and wouldn't it be something if they get the road win? I'm, I'm not picking the Cougs to win simply because it's a road game, and I'm not sure how the you know this young team will play on the road against a top what two, top two-ranked team right now in the country. So, But I'm expecting it to be a competitive game, a learning experience for sure, but it would be great for the Cougs to learn with a W. And that's pretty much going to do it for this episode of Let's Reach Cougs. Once again, the final score, Houston victorious over North Carolina A&T. The final score, 74-46 to in favor of the Cougars. This has been Let's Reach Cougs presented by the Saxonian family. Let's Reach Cougs, the unofficial postgame show for Houston men's basketball and football. Big shout out to our two sponsors, to our two other sponsors, and Hoop and Holler, the Houston Cougars Micro Collective, the entity behind those Star Pizza commercials, and another shout out to Star Pizza, Houston's best pizza since 1976, with multiple locations across the Houston area. Be sure to check them out 
And of course, tell them that Let's Rage Cooks sent you by. Chris, I'll go over to you first. Where can people find you? And as always, thank you for allowing us to use your channel and your platform to be the home of Let's Rage Cooks, which just did its most viewed episode last time against Alabama. Over 2,000 views and counting. It's continuing to grow, man. This is, this is why it's special. Onward and, up, onward and upward, and, and it's my pleasure to have the platform here on the Houston Round Bar View YouTube channel for Let's Rage Cooks post-game show, the unofficial post-game show for rates football and men's basketball and yes we will have post game show after saturday's game against virginia andy will be in virginia on the on the road with the coops for the game so we'll have him there dan will be where he is and i'll be in dallas so we'll have three three different locations technology we can stream but you can find me at houstonroundbarview.com twitter vhr review houston round bar review also on instagram and tiktok it's, a lot, it's my pleasure to, to bring to be a part of this show, I really enjoy it. Interaction with the fans is also great. And I've been doing this for a long, long time, but streaming is the way to go going forward. So I look forward to the Cougs matchup, 1 p.m. Central Time this Saturday on ESPN2. Tune in. We'll see what the Cougs do. And I uh, look forward to, to a great matchup. But I've been doing this since, I think, 1994, Houston Round Bar Review. Local name, global perspective. Dan, where can people find you? You can find me like it shows at the bottom of the screen at Dayan Dunlap on all social media platforms. I'm happy to be alongside you guys uh, doing this post game show. Thankful for Chris to allow us to use his platform. Thank for Andy for trusting in me to allow it being him a co host, not only in this show, but also in our podcast as well. So be sure to follow our podcast account. Like and subscribe to our YouTube account as well. And I'm excited for this matchup. I'm, I'm predicting that the Cougs bounce back on the road, hostile environment, and Marcus is going to lead the way. And uh, I'm expecting Marcus to have a bounce back game. And I think Jairus is going to have a double double. I'm going to go out and predict he's going to have a double double as well. We shall see. We shall see. Again, it'll be an exciting opportunity for those of you that may be interested in finding me on Twitter. You can do so at Aonis underscore five. And most importantly, like Dayon mentioned, be sure to follow us on YouTube on Podslamajama. That's P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A. In case you haven't missed it, I got an opportunity to have a cool one-on-one sit-down interview with Terrence Arsenal just Last night they were recording this on Monday night following the, the Alabama game ahead of this game against North Carolina AT. And it was a cool conversation. He talked about how really key Kellen Sampson was to recruiting him to the Houston Cougars and the relationship they have. So that was a really good interview. And of course, because it was one on one, I got to post the whole thing, which is the most uh, exciting thing and most cool thing about that. But once again, the final score from inside of Virginia Center of Houston 74, North Carolina AT 46. They'll be back on Saturday afternoon against the Virginia Cavaliers, number two Virginia Cavaliers. It'll be a 1 p.m. tip-off Houston time. It'll be 2 p.m. East Coast time for anyone that may be traveling up to Charlottesville. Until then, we'll see you again on Saturday. Once again, this has been Let's Rage Creek presented by the Saxonian family, and we'll see you on Saturday. Go Cougs.